When was the last time you went trick-or-treating? Trick-or-treat! Aren't you too old to be trick-or-treating? When was the last time you babysat on a Halloween night? Are you here, kid? You must be Linda. Yes? But I haven't met your little boy yet. Oh, he's around somewhere. You'll find him. Or he'll find you. Christopher, where are you? You're cute. Are you the babysitter? Is everything all right? Your son is a holy terror. Christopher is being a perfect angel. Ah! Help, help! Do you know the story about the boy who cried wolf? <laughs> you quit playing with yourself. I'm formulating my plan of escape. You're crazy. A dangerous lunatic has escaped from Western State oh! Hospital. Hello? I'm coming home. When was the last time you were chased by a deranged madman? Hi, I'm Scout Taylor Compton from Rob Zombie's Halloween, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to this very orangey, um, is that the right words? Full edition of The Hysteria Continues. And yes, it is our favourite month of the year, back in October for all things Halloween-y. And as you probably know, we've been through the the well the the best the John Carpenter's Halloween, um, and the many of the sequels, and various other Halloween set slashers. So I'm I'm not saying um, we're we're scraping a barrel here, but I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about. So although I do apologise in advance if if you have played along and watched the film, um, but uh, we are going to cover Trick or Treats from 1982, which is right slam bang kind of in the middle of the uh, the golden age of the Slasher movie, although by 1982, the, maybe the shine was starting to wear off a bit. Um, uh, and yes, this is a movie, all right, uh, as in it's a kind of movie. But uh, yeah, it was going to be fun to talk about, but um, I haven't ever seen anything quite like it before. So before we get on to that, um, Nathan, are you excited to be talking about Trick or Treats finally? Yes, I'm super duper excited. I mean, like you said, it's it's not, you know, I would say it's not on par with Halloween, but I still okay. quite enjoy it. Well, that's a controversial, that's a hot take, Nathan, isn't it? Oh, you think a lot of people think it's on par with Halloween? No. Oh. But it's, uh, maybe, I mean, it's a unique take on that. But um, but we're looking forward to seeing you, um, you know, defend this movie. So, um, but Eric, you're talking at the bottom of barrels. Um, you've been listening to any Toya recently? <gasps> I haven't had a chance to listen to any Toya since we last recorded, which was only four days ago. But um, I did listen to Strawberry Switchblade. I tried to, I wanted to pick up their album when I was last in the UK, but it was like £40. Mm, that's weird. The album's very good. Is it? Yeah. I, I listened to it on um, on streaming. But yeah, I did see it for sale, but it was like £40 or £45 for secondhand, which is a bit too rich for my tastes. So, uh, okay. Well, um, and Joseph, uh, are you in the Halloween mood? You sound like a balloon that's been slowly, slowly let out. It's that deflated feeling. Which would feeling. be more entertaining than this movie, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to apologize in advance. This is not Nathan's choice. This is actually mine. Um, so, No, the fact that you chose it is the only reason that I've let you get away with the horrendous things that you said. You ain't letting anyone get away with anything. What, you mean in the private chat? Yes. We came up with all sorts of fun taglines for this movie, didn't we? <laughs> I like what you said about the original tagline, Justin. <laughs> what, the, when, when Halloween night stopped being fun? Yeah. Yes. That, that, was, that was an original tagline on the, the film. And this film was released to theatres in the United States. So, um, but we'll talk about that, uh, obviously, uh, when we come to it. So let's have a little chat about what we've been watching recently. So, Eric, I know it's only been, was it four days since we last recorded? So have you seen anything? I've only watched uh, this and Phase 4, which is our Patreon pick for this month. Uh, so they're just those two. 
Okay. And also, just to mention also, if you are looking for genuine Halloween thrills, we are covering uh, the original 1981 Halloween 2, the first sequel to Halloween, uh, as our Patreon commentary for for Halloween this this year. So do join us for that. That's what I call a palate cleanser after trick-or-treats. <laughs> Very possibly, yes. So, okay. Well, thank you, Eric. Short and sweet, um, as it were. So... Nathan, how about you? Um, I watched Saw X last night. Ooh. Okay. And? Um, I really liked it. I thought that, I mean, here's the thing. Joseph and I love the later sequels just because of how unbelievably ridiculous they get. I mean, it just gets to the point where you're like, oh, come on. Um, this movie kind of scaled that back a little bit. It's a little more serious, I'd say. Um, the people in the traps in this one absolutely deserve what they're getting. So there's no really room to feel sympathy for them or anything because they're all terrible people. Um, whereas in, you know, like some of the later sequels, one of the women getting tested was a battered housewife. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, the very quick um, plot description is Jigsaw. Um, you know, it's it's a prequel. It takes place, um, you know, back when he's getting help from Amanda. Um, and he is offered this experimental treatment to cure his cancer. And it turns out it's all a big scam and, you know, they don't do anything. They just pretend to help you and they all take your money. So they all kind of get caught up in traps. Um, yeah, like I said, no sympathy for them. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it does have a few moments where it's kind of ridiculous that uh, the way I like it, but overall I was like, it's actually a pretty good movie. Honestly, I, I would say that I'm a big fan of one and two. Um, I would say it's probably, you know, on par with like two part two, um, where it's, it's not like completely ridiculous yet, but it's getting there. So mm. that's kind of how I felt about it. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, the, the guy in the poster uh, who has the tubes stuck in his eyes. Can I ask, do his eyeballs get sucked out? I'm assuming they do. Um, okay. Well, here's the thing. Spoiler alert. If nobody wants to know, skip ahead. For like just a few minutes, but uh, yes, but it's also just a dream. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that was actually an um, that was a, a an actual photo of me watching Trick or Treats. <laughs> Did your eyeballs get sucked out? <laughs> Felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> They're being dragged into the screen as punishment. For saying all that, I hope you have a kid that's just like the kid in this movie. <gasps> oh, don't say things you can't take back, Nathan. No, Nathan, how could you? So Harsh. I haven't seen I haven't seen Saw X, but um, I've only seen up to part two. Uh, so I I don't know. Uh, Joe, I'm sorry, Eric, are you uh, have you caught up with the Saws? Uh, I've seen the first eight. I haven't seen nine or ten, so I didn't see Spiral, which was the most recent one up to this, and I haven't seen Saw X. I am interested in seeing them both. Um, I see bits and pieces of the Saw films. They're streaming at the moment on Now TV, and the, uh, if I watch it live, I'll see bits of the Saw. Uh, films and they wouldn't be really be my cup of tea, but uh, I am intrigued to uh, to see this new one in, in particular. Cool. And uh, Joseph, have you got desire to watch Saw X? No, I've seen Saw X. Oh, have um, you? Actually, okay. yeah. So I've seen them all. Um, I mean, it's a Saw film. It's the tenth in less than twenty years, so you know what to expect in terms of uh, gore and painful traps. But um, this one's probably the best acted of the lot. And I think it kind of does well for itself by giving uh, Tobin Bell a meatier presence than was afforded to him previously. But, you know, again, it is a Saw film and and it's one that really has no reason to exist and tells us nothing we didn't already know. But, you know, it's it's decent, I guess. Um, You know, it's like Nathan, I, I prefer the ridiculousness of the, you know, like four, five, six, seven and eight or whatever. Um, this one kind of tries to play things as straight as it can, and it tries to elevate its, it tries to give its actors some room to kind of, you know, bounce off one another efficiently. But, you know, I prefer the, you know, the, the craziness with uh, Detective Hoffman and how he's able to get away with everything. Um, I, I don't know, a straight lace saw film just doesn't really work as well as the ridiculous ones. But, you know, it's not bad. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, Nathan, anything else? Um, I also watched Totally Killer. Did you guys talk about that last time? We did. We did, yes. Well, uh, right quick, what was your guys' thoughts? Did you like it or not? 
I liked it. Well, I didn't finish it at the time, so I just finished it for this show, so. I thought it was a lot of fun, and um, you know the, the, the whole time travel thing. I think is uh, great. You know, the lead uh, girl was really good in it. Um, I like the mask, the outfit the killer's wearing. Um, I did not guess the killer correctly, but I never do, so that's okay. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm, I really liked it too, Nathan. But um, I wasn't that pushed on the mask myself. But I, I the slasher element wasn't that. Imp- as important to me as uh, just the fun time travel comedy elements were. So it, it didn't bother me. But if it, if I was watching a pure slasher, I think that mask would have detracted from the thrills, possibly. Did you finish it, Joseph? Yeah, I finished it. Um, you know, I found it to be diverting enough for a slasher comedy. You know, typically I don't think they work as well as they could. But, you know, I, like here, I didn't laugh as much as I'd hoped as they seem to kind of go for the lowest hanging fruit with the jokes. I mean, it's all like, oh, we wouldn't do this in 2023. And I just, I don't know, I find that tired. And there's no real suspense because the victims are all predetermined and kind of poorly developed. And, you know, I know this will be ultra nitpicky to most people, but I didn't believe for one second that this was partially set in 1987 as the anachronisms. They kind of pour in like a sieve. I mean, the fashions, the phonemes, and the uh, I mean, they're all just kind of, false to me and you know i'm nitpicking but what can i say the time travel conceit i think was also sloppy as well kind of to the point of frustration because there's a lot of lip service paid to uh back to the future but i think that film kind of used the time travel gimmick to give the characters actual i don't know pathos and it also doubled as a suspense mechanism in that film here it all just kind of seems I don't know, it just kind of happens like a stock plot device. But having said all that, you know, I was never bored. And the characters who are developed beyond, you know, a few script pages are likable. There's um, genuine moments of thrills and spills on display, too. And I really, really appreciated how they handled the identity of the killer, as I only partially guessed what was going on. So, you know, entertaining enough. Could have been a lot better with about 15 or 20 minutes trimmed and a little more focus on some of the victims or, you know, if they were strictly going to kind of adhere to that branching timelines theory, why not change things up and kill a completely different set of characters when the lead character goes back to 1987? I mean, for me, that would have helped kept the viewer off balance and the plot kind of dancing around on its toes. Sort of like what they did with uh, Back to the Future Part 2 where Marty and Doc have to fix the broken timeline because of Biff. I mean, it's definitely a missed opportunity there, but, you know... Overall, I guess I would call this haphazardly entertaining. So take from that what you wish. I, you know, it's decent. Like Saw X, it's decent. Okay, well, fair enough. I kind of, um, I'm more on along the lines of Eric. I kind of enjoyed it, I think, uh, a lot more for the first time watch. It'd be interesting to see if it stands up for a second time watch. But there's quite a few, I said, there's quite a few new slashes coming out in, over this month, isn't it? It was quite, um, as you mentioned, it's a wonderful knife. And there is another one, which I can't remember the name of it now, um, coming out on Tubi, I think. But uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so listen back to the last show if you want to hear us talk a little bit more about it. So, um, uh, well, thank you. Anything else? No, I think that's it for me. Okay. And we've done you, Joseph, haven't we? And done you, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> you wish, not, Justin. Not, not, re- not recently. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh saucy. Mm. So... Um, was there what do you else? got for us, Justin? Because I don't have anything else. So. Okay, okay. Well, I saw um, a couple of films I'm going to talk about. I'd um, say I'm still doing my attempt, and whether or not when this comes out, whether or not this happened or not, I was doing 31 films reviews for History Lives over October for Halloween uh, because I'm still nursing a sore foot, so I'm going to uh, pass my time watching... Uh, slasher movies and what's not to love so um and especially i've got one very good one and one very very bad one i've seen um the first one is one that i we has been covered on the show before as in from a recently seen it's from 2014 uh it's christy uh, directed by ollie blackburn styling Haley bennett as a um uh, a kind of a, a young woman who's in uh, left behind university during thanksgiving um to save money and uh, she's targeted by a group, a cult, a group of cultists um, wearing hoodies who seem to have it in for kind of apple pie wholesomeness. 
uh, and uh, it's so it's a high octane mix of kind of dorm slashers and the kind of what was popular back then, like the Purge, um, your next that kind of feel, and also that kind of hoodie horror uh, thing that was going on around the time with like um, the strange, well, not the strangers, sorry, the is it them and uh, F, which I think is re- um, released in the United States as the Expelled and Eden Lake is another one I know your favourites, Nathan. Um, but this but this one is um, it kind of jettisons that whole kind of socio whatever thing about hoodies and wayward youth type of thing. This is much more um, a kind of a, a kind of group of cultists all wearing, uh, well, most of them wearing these kind of baker foil masks. So it very very much does that feel of your next, I kind of guess, but crossed with like a dorm slasher and half, at least half the movie uh, is a chase scene across campus. Um, where the uh, the main character is, tries to fight for her life and then turns the tables on her attackers, so I thought it was it was great. Uh, edge of the seat suspense uh, looks fantastic. Um, it was a Weinstein production, which um, uh, was meant to go to cinemas but was pulled at the last minute, which is a real shame. Which means um, uh, a lot of people probably haven't seen it. But if you haven't seen Christie then I would recommend it. So I know, Nathan, you saw this one a while back, didn't you? I've seen it more than once. I thought it was really good, very suspenseful. And it's very, you know, bare bones. I feel like it gets to the, you know, the tents, like chases and stuff pretty quickly. And it doesn't waste time. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Joseph, I know you weren't too pushed on it, but um, you you don't remember it that well. Yeah, I, I seem to remember thinking, you know, like uh, Totally Killer or Saw X again, that it was decent. Um, I had a good time with it, but I just don't remember much about it. I remember watching it and I remember talking about it on Recently Seen, but I just don't remember much of what happens. I think it, um, is it, plot wise, is it kind of like Hush? I think that Hush is that movie where the deaf girl is stalked by the guy in the mask it's it sort of had that feeling to it. I mean, it, this predates Hush, but it, I'm I'm remembering that tones of that movie for some reason. It's just one I need to rewatch. Yeah, it's kind of that, but it's kind of a group of killers. Um, mm, yeah. So it's not just one one person. The way you raved about it in uh, private messages seems like you know it's kind of like maybe I need to go back and give this another evaluation because uh, I just like I said I just don't remember. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what you think of it if you get another chance to uh, take another look at it. But, Eric, did you ever see uh, Christine? No, never saw no. it. Is she the strawberry girl? That's Christine. Oh, sorry. That's okay. So, um, and the other one, which was very, very, very bad, but actually sometimes it's quite fun to review awful movies, um, and this is La Central from um, Spain, actually from the Catalan region. So it's actually one of the ra- rare Spanish movies or rare horror movies anyway that was recorded in the Catalan dialect from the Barcelona area. Um, but that's really the only interesting thing about it. It's um, from 2006 and it is your kind of usual plot of 12 teenagers go to a remote house a party and then die um which sounds great you know it's the it's the the you know the perfect slasher movie setup but it's it's one of those movies that has um basically uh spends almost all of its like first half of people screeching and screaming and throwing their hands in the air and jumping in pools and drinking and taking drugs and just just being generally obnoxious and you know it's kind of like I, I think i said in my review it's a bit like there's one the main girl is the, the main final, the final girl isn't drinking so she's kind of like you know what it's like if you're in a room full of drunks and you're the only sober person but it kind of feels like that with this movie and then when the killer finally turns up which seems to take absolutely forever um i don't think you would know what that felt like justin what i'm doing sober october i'll have you know <laughs> joseph henson so i know exactly what it's like yeah. Being stuck with a load of stoners, um, but uh, Ooh, the shade, <laughs> the shade of it all. Former but, recovering. Okay, um, but, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no, it's kind of it's it's just pretty poor all round, really. It's got nothing particularly to recommend it. But um, if you are interested in seeing that and the other reviews I've done, then obviously check out Hysteria Lives. But I will say it's better than the film we're covering now. So hey, you've managed to uh, you've managed to review for every day this month so far, haven't you? I have, yes. Yeah, cool. and I've got I've got two more in the bag. 
So, um, and I've got a few, yeah, I'm going to try and do one one a day for the whole month, which is the first time I've ever done it. But it's going to take me close to the 500 mark. So Yeah, baby, you can do it. Thank you. So maybe I'll, I'll cover some classic like trick or treats for the 500th. Although, as I mentioned, there is a review on History Lives by our good friend, uh, the Blue Iris, from way, way back in the day. But we can't put it off any further, I don't think. So, Joseph, what do you have for us? Do you have a TV spot or a trailer? Yeah, perhaps this film's shining light. We have an excellent TV spot for trick-or-treats. Okay, well, do you want to play that and uh, bring us back in uh, when you're after, after this? When was the last time you babysat on a Halloween night? I'm here, kid. When was the last time you were chased by a deranged madman? Trick or Treats. Starring Jackie Giroux, David Carradine, Harry Snodgrass, Steve Railsback. Next time, don't be so quick to open your door. (laughs) Starts Friday at select theaters and drive-ins. This sensational suspense thriller centers on a young boy's Halloween hijinks and a true madman's thirst for revenge. Mr. and Mrs. Adams are attending a Halloween masquerade party and decide to leave their precocious son, Christopher, in the care of Linda, a local babysitter. Christopher is a master of mischievous pranks and continuously batters Linda with them until a bizarre turn of events unleashes a true madman. Just escape from a mental institution who treats Christopher to a trick he will never forget and his babysitter may never survive. Next time your doorbell rings, be prepared because it's trick or treats. And that was from the back of the old Vestron VHS release of Trick or Treats. And as we are officially running low on Halloween themed or inspired films, I decided we should all take a trip through the bowels of hell because it can't get any worse than when we covered the Rob Zombie films, or can it? Thankfully, no, but Trick or Treats is an unfunny, unthrilling, um, what's another word that starts with un? How about unctuous? It pretends to be sincere enough in what it sets out to do, but at 91 minutes and with what little slasher action there is, starting with about 20 minutes remaining, surely I or you guys can be forgiven for calling this movie a real chore to get through. I mean, what we essentially have is the world's oldest babysitter squaring off against the world's most annoying child in a series of practical uh, jokes and magic tricks pulled on said babysitter by said little shit. And the incorrigible little tyke will pretend to be dead and the babysitter will lose her shit and huff and puff. She'll send the boy off to bed. He'll do it again. And then she'll have to deal with some ungrateful trick-or-treaters, wash, rinse, repeat. And, you know, that would be okay if any of this were in the least bit funny or satirical to the point of kind of lampooning uh, the Halloween holiday or the movies that it's trying to ape. But we have none of that. I mean, this is literally a gag reel of joke shop humor done over and over and over again until, you know, I just couldn't stand it any longer. Not a single likable character to be had either to anchor any of it. Even the babysitter, who's the kind of the center of the practical jokes and eventually the killer's whole world, she's right. She's, I mean, she's rightfully irritated, but it's kind of hard to sympathize with her in the slightest as she's written to fall for every single one of this kid's pranks, even after she's recounted the entire story of the boy who cried wolf and what I assume was a way to help pad out the runtime. Uh, the, um, the supporting cast of big names, I mean, don't even think about them lending this film any credence whatsoever. No, sir. You know, names like David Carradine, Steve Railsback, and Gary Snodgrass. I mean, they're here simply to pay a mortgage payment. Uh, Steve Railsback spends his entire two minutes of screen time on a telephone, so that tells you something. Though he does get the film's lone joke that works, as he's playing an actor who's been cast to play Othello, despite being as far away from Moorish descent as possible. I mean, Steve Railsback is pretty white, guys. Um, The killer turns out to be the most sympathetic, I think, which isn't saying much, as he spends the bulk of the movie wandering around the city streets in a bad wig and a candy striper's uniform. I mean, he's this kind of lumbering Wallace Beery type who's so obviously a man in drag that the jokes about people mistaking him for a woman grow tiresome before they even begin. So, I mean, he's also the father of the annoying little turd kid. 
And uh, he was basically unfairly dragged away to the loony bin uh, some years earlier. And this was orchestrated by the Carrie Snodgrass character um, with absolutely no context. I mean, it just happens. Um, I should probably add that there, though. I did find it amusing. Um, I did find it amusing that in this movie, the men in white coats can simply simply abduct anyone from their home without so much as a medical evaluation or court ordered rehabilitation. None of that. Um, maybe that stuff did happen and we just didn't see it. I don't know. Trick or Treat certainly has no interest in setting up the madman beyond uh, a single script page. And really, that's the entire film in a nutshell. Everything just feels so disjointed and slapped together. There's not one sequence of suspense to be had. Not one. There's no gore. The humor doesn't work. It's just a mess. And while it's not as ear-piercingly grating as the Rob Zombie Halloween films, you know, at least those movies had a semblance of structure. Trick or Treats, I mean, it literally feels like they spent weeks um, filming a series of practical jokes and then tossed in a guy with a knife during the last 10 minutes to capitalize on the trend of slashers at the time, except they forgot to add any real slashing. And it's kind of a shame because the the ingredients for a killer thriller are all here. I mean, you get the big names in the cast. You have the tried and true plot formula of a babysitter being stalked by a psycho in a small house. I mean, everything is even shot reasonably well. So it's it's just so frustrating that it all inexplicably kind of just coalesces into such an awful experience. So I'm going to pass this one over to Nathan first, as I know he will be the lone uh, voice of dissent amongst the four of us. And, um, you know, while he sings his praises, that'll give Eric, Justin, and myself a few extra minutes to slip on our white coats and drag him away to the asylum. So, Nathan, (laughs) your thoughts, please. Well, I mean, like you, I'm apparently thinking that uh, all a spouse has to do, I mean, uh, do all I have to do is go to the local insane asylum and be like, hey, I think my husband's crazy. And then they'll just show up and kidnap him and whisk him away to the insane asylum. That's what I took from this film, for sure. It's like the easiest thing to do. It's like Homer Simpson getting sent to an insane asylum for wearing a pink shirt. But no, I I actually do love trick-or-treats. I do understand that it's uh, a lot of it does feel like padding. No. (laughs) The kid definitely is very frustrating. Um, And like you said, I want to be more sympathetic with the babysitter, but she falls for every joke. And I mean, this is after the kids played like 20 practical jokes on her. She still falls for them. Like, even after that. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if you're that bright, but, you know, that's okay. Um, But, um, you know, I I love the the house that it's set in. And, you know, the kids got some really good masks. I was a little disappointed that the killer didn't wear any of these masks that the kid has on during the, the film. Like, there's one where he's wearing this, like, Tor Johnson, this bald mask. I used to have a mask like that, but um, like that was a good one. And then there's another scene where he's like doing the prank where he's like knocking on the door and hiding behind the gate. Like that mask was really creepy, too. I was like, I feel like those should have been utilized a little bit more. Like you said, I think it's interesting that people mistake the killer for a woman because, I mean, really, he's not done anything to make himself, you know, look like a woman, except maybe put some lipstick on and a wig on. I mean, it just I don't know. It did. um, It didn't look like he was trying and everybody still mistook him, you know, for for a woman. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Um, I found the um, practical jokes. Honestly, I didn't even think they were that great. I mean, there's sometimes it's just little things like he puts a glass of milk and it's like a a gag thing where it's like it looks like a spill on the floor. But you pick the cup up and it's not. Stuff like that. But then he'll also do pranks like pretending he drowns in the swimming pool. So, you know, he's all over the place with his uh, practical jokes. I would have left his little ass floating out there, honestly. I mean, I was thinking to myself, by that point, I would just assume it's a prank and I wouldn't even indulge. And then it'd probably turn out he was really dead. And uh, then I'd get fired and I might not get paid, which would stink. And you might go to jail. (laughs) Well, would you? I mean, I just say it was an accident. Negligent homicide, maybe. I don't know. You were you were his charge, so I guess you would be charged for it. If you spent time with that kid, no jury in the world would convict me. The tagline to I spit in your grave, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But um, one thing I thought was very uh, ridiculous. Well, I guess not ridiculous. I don't know what I'm trying to say about it. It's just the fact that, you know, he's after his wife, ex-wife, who betrayed him and... He never really comes across her in this movie, aside from obviously in the beginning when he gets kidnapped. 
But like at the end when he's going after her, I mean, it's really just the babysitter he's going after. And then, of course, he lands in this ridiculous guillotine contraption. Is it guillotine or guillotine? Guillotine. Ah, okay, cool. I said it right the first time. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. And then, of course, the freeze frame ending is just so stupid. And I mean that in a positive way. It's just it's it's dumb, hilarious. Um, Even with all the padding and everything, I still found this movie to be entertaining just because of how, you know, inept a lot of things were. Um, I find that endearing and I found it endearing here as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall I enjoyed it. I know that I'm probably the lone wolf here. Uh, I'm not holding it up on the same level as Halloween or anything like that, but I thought it was a fun time waster. Okay. Um, hmm. who to pick next? I, I apologize to both of you in advance. Mm-hmm. So, um, Eric, what did you think of trick or treats? I found it a waste of time rather than a nice time waster, unfortunately. Um, this was the first time watched for, for this uh, particular suspense thriller, as the blurb described it. And I uh, imagine a last time watch as well. I would imagine so, yes. Um, like, I knew nothing about the film uh, apart from the fact that you had labelled it a potential Nathan pick, uh, even though it's your choice, Joseph. So that kind of set alarm bells ringing. So, But what I didn't realise was that, like, the bulk of the film plays as a, and I'm using industrial strength quotation marks here, a comedy. Um, the film has uh, this, as you said, plethora... Commode. Commode, yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, the film has this uh, plethora of named stars whose names come up at the opening credits. And I was thinking, oh, this might be like a, a well-made movie. It could surprise me. You know, Carrie Snodgrass, Peter Jason, David Carradine, Steel Rails back. But that just lulled me into this sort of false sense of security, I'm afraid. Um, you know, the, the I suppose the early scenes look like they might build towards a decent half decent even low budget Halloween knockoff like the setup seems pretty standard for slasher movies and I thought maybe it'll be you know fairly watchable but when it becomes apparent that they're aiming more towards comedy uh, my interest seriously began to wane I'm afraid Um, I did find a little bit of fun in the dark sanity levels of authenticity in its depiction of a mental hospital Um, you know there's this protracted scene where it focuses on different inmates some of them are just pulling faces some are salivating some are, are sort of cheating at board games and there's one guy who's miming sewing up the back of Peter Jason's surgical gown um, so it was very sort of dark sanity in that respect and and I thought Peter Jason in drag was kind of fun um, and I liked my favourite moment was where the babysitter is so exasperated by the way the kid is behaving that she just answers the door to these two trick-or-treaters and just throws candy at them and then slams the door in their face uh, which I thought was fun but apart from that I mean the scenes with the babysitter and the kids were kind of flat and lifeless I thought and as you said how many japes does that idiotic babysitter you know fall for before she'll catch on to the fact that they're japes um the attempts at comedy are just just don't work for me i'm afraid i mean that kid really should have irked me quite a lot uh, but and i was wondering why isn't this kid annoying me and the reason was i was just so disengaged from the film i was just so bored that i didn't really care what was happening it didn't, on it screen. didn't remind you didn't remind you of you as a kid no yeah, before the weight of the world crushed your spirits no i was a perfectly behaved <laughs> young angel well, you've only got your word for it, but okay. <laughs> you do only have my word for it. Um, oh yeah, just past the halfway mark, we're introduced to these two characters who are these two film editors, and they're working on a horror film called The Monster Strikes. Uh, it looks kind of like a Frankenstein-type movie, and I thought, oh, the, the movie within the movie is going to be much better, but no, the, the it movie... It looks better. <laughs> I don't know, I thought the movie in the within the movie looked just as bad. <laughs> I thought it looked a little more entertaining, at least. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, as you said, Joseph, in the final 20 minutes, decides to become a slasher film. Um, and what I thought was bizarre here was that the tone shifts. Like, they try and ditch the comedy and kind of play it straight to a degree with the slasher element. And it just feels like a real tonal shift that's um, 
quite jarring, I thought. But it, having said that, the the slasher element doesn't work as a slasher movie either. It's just, um, again, it's like the comedy for me. It just falls flat and it's rather dull. Um, so, yeah... I mean, and then the ending made no sense whatsoever, but that's not a problem for me because I like endings that make no sense. I like a nonsensical final scare in a movie, you know, um, so that wasn't a problem. But the kid does say, I've learned my lesson. I'll never do a prank ever again to the babysitter. And then like 15 seconds later, he's jumping at her with a knife, um, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, I mean, it's far from the worst film we've ever covered. I mean, there's there's at least half a dozen worst films, maybe even more that... Uh, that um, I, I would I would consider worse than this. But having said that, I just, I mean, for me, the comedy didn't work, the thrills didn't work, and I was just a bit bored, I'm afraid. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on Trick or Treats. Sorry, Nathan. That's okay. I didn't pick it. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying sorry because I know you love it. <laughs> okay, Justin, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm scratching my head trying to think uh, what films are worse that we've covered. Validate, to be honest. Club Dread. Axum. No, Hollywood's no, new and blood. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, and no, and perhaps. But uh, yeah. I agree with Eric. Bella Day was way worse. Oh, way come worse. on. Yes. Come on. Come on. That's ridiculous. No, it's not. You're ridiculous, Captain Ridiculous, and your ridiculous underpants. <laughs> well, we'll see, because um, the, the film you're, we're covering later, your Patreon pick, Eric, might. Uh, I might. Uh, I might be putting forward an argument that it's worse than the fella day, but I don't know. Oh my god. I'm just gonna put it right down here that my Patreon pick is a bona fide sci-fi classic. Yes, classic. in commas. Mm-hmm. What part of classic do you not understand, Justin? Anyway, we're getting off topic here. Um, okay, so trick or treats. Yes. It gosh, it's again it's funny because it's a film that I just presumed, a bit like Psycho Three that I'd seen, but because um uh, my friend the Blue Iris had reviewed it for Hysteria Lives and I used to have the videotape um, uh, I brought back from the States one one time uh, that I'd seen it and I hadn't and partly because I'd been warned off by when every time I'd looked at reviews for it it was kind of this is one of the worst movies ever made and I'm thinking well that sounds fun but it manages for me sucks all the fun out of the the film has is a fun free zone pretty much for me i i don't quite in some ways in some of the reviews that i've seen for this it's kind of saying it's almost fascinatingly bad that a film like this could have been released to cinemas in the united states back in 1982 um because it's it's also the time 1982 was a time of the the slasher comedies you know wacko and pandemonium and I think student bodies have come out the year before. And uh, those look like laugh riots compared to this. It's just not funny. I'm not really sure what the point of the movie was. Um, as a parody of the slasher movie, it doesn't work. Are we re- I'm mean, just repeating what's already been said. But uh, as a slasher movie, it doesn't work. Um, there's no jokes. There's nothing. I don't really understand, apart from, I think, uh, Joseph, you might have said, um, was this possibly a tax write-off? Um, I, I don't, <laughs> it felt like it. I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I mean, obviously, for like trying to be generous. I mean, when I started, I thought, oh, you know, I love a Halloween ripoff. You know, obviously, I enjoy you know an eighty slasher movie. Um, and it started with those kind of orange on black titles. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. They're going to rip off Halloween. Great. Um, and that beginning is so ridiculous with the um, with the two orderlies taking the guy away. Uh, and if you notice, one of them has um, when he gets his trousers wet, he's wearing um, stunt knee pads. So you know, it's it, it is that was ridiculous. And I thought, well, where's this going to go? That wasn't funny, but I thought it was setting itself up for it to be funny. And then you have like you've got the uh, poor Jacqueline Giraud as the um, the babysitter who clearly thinks she's in a comedy and trying to play as a comedy um but everything around her is crickets it's kind of like 90 minute joke of the week you know <gasps> sorry eric um <laughs> but sorry harsh. Don't apologize. Harsh, so no. harsh. sorry that's what you get for comparing this film to felliday eric exactly <laughs> so but the i mean also the other things it was kind of like i, I agree with very i mean there was some modicum of fun to be had with the insane asylum where it was the western state hospital um for the home for the insane which to show how low budget the movie was and this is almost like a pre-trauma 
I think it feels almost pre-trauma in that kind of that kind of zany people, you know, mental patients or, you know, there's one mental patient has a cigarette up her nose. I mean, that's the levels of comedy we get to. And did you notice in the in the, the asylum scene, they don't even have a set. They just have a curtain. It's just like a massive gray curtain behind. <laughs> yeah, I was reading them. a review. I was reading a review. Someone said that um, apparently that scene with the hospital was shot inside of a, uh, a school cafeteria, and they just curtained it off to look like an <laughs> insane asylum. I mean, it just goes to show that levels of care. And uh, so, I I don't you know the kid was so irritating, and it could you know I, the fact is that it has that cynical ending, which is just put in just for like an extra shock which is no bad thing necessarily but you know there's no redemption for anyone here you know really it's um you know their babies they're, they're you know um carrie snodgrass and um um david carradine don't even come back at the end you know they're you know they're five minutes of screen time's up um uh steve Railsback doesn't turn up either to save the day uh so uh, yeah it's kind of it's almost like a film that people have got together at dinner had a few drinks and thought wouldn't it be funny if we just made a movie that's just it's almost like an art project in some ways it's so bad and so unentertaining um i kind of i just i i dread to think what people would have thought if they plonked down their five dollars to watch this in uh you know halloween night in 1982 it's just you know the mind boggles um but apart from that i loved it I just hope hope someone like Vinegar Syndrome doesn't ask us to do a commentary. Oh my god, no! I'm definitely not going to do that. Famous last words. So, yeah, anything left to say, or should we move on to background, which is arguably much more interesting than the film itself? Well, not arguably, inarguably. Okay, I mean, I have a lot here, so um, uh, I need a little clarification on this first bit of trivia, as I was unable to kind of confirm it, but. Apparently, the film was shot in the early spring of 1982 on a $55,000 budget, 25 of which was uh, director Gary Graver's own money, um, and was released in October of 1982 and garnered widespread critical disdain. Um, I'm sure you have a few of those choice snippets, Justin, and if you don't, sorry for putting you on the spot there, but um, it was released to VHS via Vestron Video in 1984 where it kind of languished in, I guess, rightful obscurity until Code Red released it to DVD in 2013 and then again to Blu-ray uh, when they had a partnership going on with Kino Lorber in 2021. Um, director Gary Graver is an interesting case study and someone who's run the gamut of movies. Even long after his death, as according to the always reliable IMDb, uh, Graver passed away in 2006, but apparently he's been pulling cinematography duties as late as 2020, so... Is he dead? Is he alive? I don't know. From beyond the grave. Um, yeah. He um, he also directed Moon and Scorpio, which I believe we did a Blu-ray commentary for 88 films, if memory serves. And again, according to the IMDb, he directed so much porn under the name uh, Robert McCollum, I think. Um, he was also a briefly, briefly a combat photographer in Vietnam. And uh, young Christopher, that irrepressible little scamp, is played by Graver's real uh, real life son, Chris Graver. And this is interesting, as apparently, and you know, once again, if the IMDb is correct, apparently he acted in a couple of his father's adult titles, which I assume would make for some awkward family reunion small talk around the Thanksgiving dinner table, if that's true. But I don't know if that's true or not. But um. Uh, director Dar- uh, Gary Graver was also linked with Orson Welles at one point in his career and was eventually sued by his daughter Beatrice in 1993 after it was discovered that Graver was in possession of Orson Welles's Oscar statuette for the best original screenplay for Citizen Kane when he tried to auction it off. Uh, Beatrice, uh, she won her lawsuit and was awarded custody of that statue. Um, and Graver insisted that Welles had given him the Oscar as a gift which doesn't sound fishy at all, although um, Orson Welles was credited as magical consultant in this film. So, I mean, it could be the case of Orson Welles trying to bribe him to remove his name from the credits. I don't know. But uh, overall, I mean, there was a lot of background on this film, you know, that's much more interesting than the film itself, just kind of floating around out there in the ether. And I don't want to hog it all. So, Nathan, do you have anything for us? No. Oh, Eric. Principal Skinner is an old man who lives in the school. Lisa? <laughs> That's some good background there. Justin, what do you have for us? 
Right. Yes, I have a few bits. Um, uh, one of the taglines was, um, as I mentioned, when Halloween night stopped being fun, which I thought was funny. Um, it uh, apparently took three weeks to film all at night and was filmed mostly in Carrie Snodgrass's house. Um, it has um, Paul Bartel also uh, as a very small cameo, a completely wasted cameo as uh, a homeless person. Um Andrea, who plays the is the the one victim in the whole movie who actually sees any blood, she was uh, played by Gillian Kesner. She was also in Moon and Scorpio, uh, which is the, the movie you referred to. Um, a Graver was actually uh, he did have connections with Orson Welles. He was a cameraman on many of his later projects, so that's where that connection comes from. But the two main things I've got here was. Um, some uh, snippets of reviews from the time when it came out but also there was a syndicated article um, with Jacqueline Giraud who plays the babysitter who was married to Steve Railsbeck at the time which explains why he has that kind of cameo appearance Um, she said in the interviews that she regarded the film as a spoof um, and uh, was a bit taken aback um, that that it wasn't getting very good reviews uh, and, and tried to excuse it, saying that when you make a film, you you never have an idea how it would turn out. Um, and she's, she joked that if it was so bad, no one would ever see it. So that's obviously why we're still talking about it um, coming up 50 years later. But um, what the, the funny thing was, was that she said that um, the, the good thing about the film was it was taken to the Cannes Film Festival, where there was a 15 minutes, and I quote, sizzle reel. Um, of the <laughs> of the movie, which she said got a lot of attention and got her attention, and she claims that she got an audition with Jean Luc Godard um, for a film <laughs> off the back of it. Really, this is in the article. Well, and she also says that Roma Polanski saw the sizzle reel um, of Trick or Treats, <laughs> um, was interested in working with her, and um, probably the kid too. Yeah. So she said that she originally used to be a professional uh, tennis photographer uh, back when John Mock- sorry John McEnroe was hot. Um, so, but she ended the article uh, saying she'd be she was appalled to find that people didn't think Trick or Treats was a good picture. So, um, just to some of those reviews, uh, obviously got theatrically released, which seems crazy. Now, so the Cincinnati sorry, Inquirer called it the cruelest of tortures, said uh, this film has nothing for everyone. These are all good Paul quotes, obviously. Um, said no suspense of anything or anything for gorehounds, no squirting jugulars, no splattered brain, no popping eyeballs. Um, the Journal Herald called it a mundane but slick flick, a cynical treat, So, which is the, probably the best review it got. Um, said it ha- must have been produced to beat Halloween 3 to screens. Uh, said it was difficult to work up terror as the killer looked like Tom Bosley from Happy Days. Um, uh, the reviewer <laughs> said, I took a sort of perverse pleasure in seeing a film that picks the pockets of an audience that shows up expecting disembowelings and limb wrenchings and gets a sort of classy mugging in its place. Um Obviously, we talked about how critics at the time were very down on slasher movies. So there's that kind of cynicism there and um, snubbing snubbing noses at it. But uh, I quite how he calls it classy or slick, I don't know. Um, but the Kansas City star uh, gave it no stars and said it was a bad film that was so bad it was almost fascinating. Um, and the LA Times called it a horror comedy. So obviously it was pitched as a horror comedy, um, but not sold as one to audiences, where it was very much the... Um, uh, you, you would, If you looked at the posters for this movie and the, the press adverts, you'd have no idea that this was meant to be a horror comedy. So maybe someone watched it and realised they couldn't sell it as a comedy, so they tried to sell it as a straight horror movie, uh, and that didn't work either. So, uh, But Joseph, is there anything else you've got for us? No, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. Okay, well, um, what was the consensus on the group? Well, 30 comments for Trick or Treat, certainly more than I would have ever imagined, while Straight Jacket, films like Straight Jacket get 11 comments. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, The Mike Justice writes, that's the Mike Justice, writes, an unlikely and reluctant seasonal favorite of mine, due in no small part to it playing continuously on the USA Network for years, It's not a great film or even a good one, but the Halloween atmosphere is on point and it features actress Catherine E. Coulson, who later found fame as the log lady on Twin Peaks, 
as a horny asylum nurse, plus any film about an obnoxious, horror, and magic-loving brat picking on self-involved adults is going to get my vote for life. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Joey Dietrich laments, this is not a movie. It's an endurance test. Thank you, Joey. Um, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Stay up to date on all that we're doing. Listen on Amazon, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and about a billion other podcatchers, both good and terrible. Join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per month to help support the show. Or if you're financially inclined to do so, select one of those tiers that fits your budget for that extra monthly bonus content. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues, all one word. And that goes for our email address as well, the hysteria continues at gmail.com. Over to you, Justin. Excellent. Okay. And Eric, you have one job. It's my joke of the week. It's so, so fantastic. What does a toilet say when it sees urine on the last day of October? Hello, we. Hello, ween. <laughs> Eric, Hello? I thought they said it was supposed to be better than trick-or-treats <laughs> Nathan, don't you be giving me shade, Mr. I like trick-or-treats I do like trick-or-treats, but I said yeah, well, it was better than your joke uh, That's so mean uh, <laughs> I'm going to side with Eric, but only slightly Thank you, Joseph Justin, funnier, th- funnier than trick-or-treats? I think it was funnier than trick-or-treats, actually, yes Mind you, it's a pretty low bar in fact, I think the bar's six of it under. So, but should we? Uh, we have some feedback, don't we? Who would like to go first? I'll go first because it actually is a good segue from Eric's joke of the week. Okay. All right. My feedback says, when I said Eric's jokes are no laughing matter, I meant that they are to be contemplated as the work of a master of the art of wordplay. I did mm. not mean that they are not funny. They are, of course, extremely humorous to people with higher understanding of such things. I often chortle about them weeks later. And that was from Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. I love you. Daniel, a.k.a. Eric Frelfall, who no. always <laughs> used the word ch- chortle. Uh, yeah, but other, other, pe- other people do use the word chortle. Good catch there, Justin. I think you've cracked the case. I think mm, I have. Jessica yes. Fletcher. <laughs> well, Eric, what do you have for yes, us? Yes, I have one here from Lou, and he says, just just listen to your Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge commentary, and I think it was the best yet. I grew up watching the first four Nightmares on a loop, so I never thought of it any different than the other movies in the series until years later when I was outright accused of not being a real Freddy fan if I liked part two. How times have changed. From listening to you guys for years now, it's interesting to see how my perspective on these movies differs from y'all. Uh, I was born in 1986, but started watching horror very young. I'd say between Silence of the Lambs and Scream, when the slasher movie was apparently dead, my older brother would come by every week with a stack of serial killer movies. I wasn't even familiar with the term slasher until the late 90s, oddly enough. Well, this was quite a ramble, but you guys continue to outdo yourselves, especially now with all the Patreon content. Keep up the good work. Lou. P.S. First terror on ten killer first terror at ten killer gets a four K release. Now Night of Horror and Curse of the Screaming Dead are on high def Blu-ray. What a time to be alive. Now I'm thinking that Lou might be Nathan. As <laughs> <laughs> an AKA. I, I think you've you, cracked Lou. the case there, Eric. Yeah. No, we well thank you for writing in, Lou, and uh, anyone else has written in. We do appreciate it, even if we you may take the proverbial Mickey a little bit, but uh Thank you. I've got one here. It says, Hey gang, I hope you're all well and happy. I recently found a Jalo I'd not heard of called Footprints on the Moon, aka Footprints. It's directed by Luigi Bazzoni. I'm only halfway in, so I can't comment on it other than it's beautifully shot and atmospheric. Have you heard of it? Uh, Florida Balkan and Klaus, why has no one arrested me? Kinski are in it. Also, um, have you ever done a segment where each of you name your favourite slasher or hidden gem of a particular year? Working through the years. It would help. Uh, would be helpful when looking for new stuff. Anyway, I'm off to empty my sacks, as it were, due to a couple of old bags. I'm, I'm reading this correctly. I've been been stuffing in. Ah, okay, I think it's some double entendre going here. Uh, I should have recognised that earlier. Uh, my kindest regards and thanks sent from the crystalline lake where I'm higher than the sun and hornier than a triceratops, Wario Barva. So who's who would that be? That might be Joseph, perhaps. You've cracked the case again. <laughs> 
But um, no, Wario. Thank you for writing in Wario. I've seen, I've seen a version of Mario Barber. Um, Footprints on the Moon. Yes, I have seen it, but not for many years. I think it's reviewed on Hysteria Lives. It's one of those um, uh, kind of uh, very atypical jali that um, kind of came out in the 70s, sort of late, sort of uh, mid, early mid 70s, that were not the kind of popcorny Dario Argento type or. Um, or the, you know those kind of those ones that kind of imitated him, but had a bit of a sci-fi kind of uh, kind of strange feel to it. it so I know it came out scene where I think it might be just a dream sequence where Florinda Balkan is running on a beach in slow motion, being chased by two astronauts. That's the one. Yes, I haven't seen it for years, but I remember quite enjoying it. It has that kind of feel, that kind of that strange, like nightmarish, dreamy feel of some of those um, uh, kind of early early seventies Euro horrors. So I remember liking it quite a bit. But he also says about the doing a segment where we each name our favourite slashes of a, of a year. Now, I um, we, have we done that on a Patreon or top three back in the day? That's all we've done on the top threes, yeah. wasn't it? So, I guess dude, so. I'm if you're to think, not on Patreon, go listen to Patreon. No, but I think we didn't. We do. T- I'm trying to think. We probably did it before we started doing on Patreon, didn't we? Like our top threes of. Yeah. Did we do top threes? I, I don't know. We've done so many of those things. It's yeah. hard to remember. Yeah. So, Mario Bar- uh, Barva, when you when you come down from your high, uh, check back through some of those earlier episodes because our top threes. If you look to see what we've done in them, I think we may well have done that. So. Um, well, thank you for writing in. Um, so I can keep that feedback coming. Um, and uh, what else have we got to say? Uh, apart from what are we covering next time, I guess? It's Nathan's choice. He's mm-hmm. going to pick something I like, hopefully. <laughs> um, well, yes, of course I am. I mean, who do you think you're talking to? My next choice is going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, because I think it's important to discuss remote-controlled legs. This is the one that you've been hankering after, isn't it, Nathan? Oh, yes, I've been wanting to talk about it for years. We finally got there. Yeah. So um, what are we playing out with? Well, also from the same year, and this is only a little tertiary, I guess. I don't know. But we are playing out with You Can Do Magic by America. Well, that is to look forward to. But before then, obviously, um, hopefully this will come out. I presume this will come out before Halloween, won't it? Yep. So um, have, a, have a fun, safe and scary Halloween from all of us here at The Hysteria Continues. Um, and we'll see you on the other side. So obviously Halloween never ends with us and I'm sure many of you listening. So uh, horror and slasher all year round. So um, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. So say goodbye to the good people. Bye. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. So